This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by ActorRated.com, the Internet's only place to find ratings and reviews for headshot photographers, acting classes, and more. See what other actors are talking about and recommending. To learn more, visit ActorRated.com. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. I'm Trevor Alcott. And on this podcast, we interview actors, directors, managers, agents, and sometimes even web frontiersmen. And we package them up to into a little podcast and bring it to an internet near you. Indeed. And has, as has been our kind of evolving motto on this podcast... We're just two dudes with a podcast. We, we don't pretend to know uh, any more than the average person, uh, and we're interviewing these people because we're looking for the answers. So if anything you hear in this podcast, either from us or from our guests, um, you disagree with, or maybe you agree with it really wholeheartedly, or maybe you just want to add your two cents and add another perspective of the conversation, we love hearing from you guys. So um, there's a lot of different ways to get in touch with us, email, voicemail, comment, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. So just go to our website. Uh, InsideActingPodcast.com to get started. And I know a lot of you out there are excited about this episode because we've been getting a ton of tweets and emails and stuff asking us when this episode was coming out. Um, probably because you guys are excited about part two of our two-part interview with uh, said web frontiersman, Yuri Barnovsky, um, who just had so much good stuff to say and it was such a pleasure chatting with him. Um, and uh, I hope you're looking forward to uh, part two as much as we enjoyed, um, you know, recording it. All right. Hello, everyone. Um Trevor, are we uh, are we coming into this with our tails stuck between our legs, or are we gonna like pretend like it never happened? <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> I think um, I think a, <laughs> hey guys, what's going on? Uh, yeah. So that whole month of us not podcasting just didn't happen. Yeah, no. no I, that, what are you talking about? That was. That was you're like, delusional. Okay, was you're delusional. We've been around. <laughs> no, I, uh, I I I was saying to you before that I, I sometimes I'll listen to podcasts, like I'll just jump into a podcast, you know, at, at a random episode. And sometimes the first thing out of the the host of the podcast mouse will be like, "Hey guys, welcome to our our podcast. So sorry we have been absent and haven't podcasted for two months. We've been busy, blah blah blah." And usually when I hear that, I just want to like tune out and turn it off. I'm like, "These guys are a joke. I'm not interested." And now, and now we're that podcast. No, um, we're not. We're not that podcast. Please, uh, a little bit, so. a little bit. We are, dude. But we have say some really good so. excuses. I think. Um, <laughs> so, do you want to start with with why we haven't been podcasting, or should I? Oh, geez. Well, I mean, yeah, the list could go on and on. There's been car trouble. There's been people moving in and out of apartments. There's been uh, gospel according to First Squad getting extended, which is probably the best possible news. Um, yeah, we we should talk about that actually. Let's let's turn this into a positive and and, and just wrap on how uh, awesome 
not only support from the podcast listeners has been, um, by the way. Yeah, holy crap. Like, I wish we would have been keep, keeping a list so that we could just rattle off the, the amazing support we've been getting from podcast listeners. There have been so many people who have come out to see our show. I, I, I've been just completely blown away by, by the support. I, 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 every time I see or meet somebody from the podcast after the, after the show, I'm, I'm like in awe of them. Like, I can't, I'm like, how are you here? Why are you here? This is amazing. I so. know. It's a it's a weird feeling to describe actually. I mean, it it feels really really good to see you guys there and to have to meet you in person in person and know that you're out there spending your money and your time to support us on another level. I mean, it's it's the most amazing feeling in the world and I I mean, you guys know who you are. We know who you are. Thank you so much for coming out to support uh this this little thing we do in addition to the podcast. Yes, this little thing you mean acting like yeah, yeah. we have no. It actually felt. Yeah, I was telling one of our listeners, I can't remember who it was, that it feels good to have them there because it sort of. Um, it, I've, to me, it, it validates what we do on the podcast because they come out and they see like, oh, they can actually do this thing that they talk about every week on this you know podcast. Um, yeah, or that they yeah. profess to know how to do, but it, yeah, it's been amazing, and 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 because of that support, I think is why we were able to uh, extend. Trev, you want to tell them the 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 good news if they haven't heard it? Yeah, this is pretty awesome. If you guys haven't heard this from our Twitters and our Facebooks and our MySpaces and all that stuff, uh, we're extending for three more weekends. We're doing two shows per weekend, so it's going to be six additional performances total, and each performance uh, from now on through the end of the month is completely pay what you can so for some people that translates to a free ticket for most people that translates to a discounted ticket um and we're really excited to be able to hopefully just bring down that last barrier that people might have been coming up against when they say i want to come see your show but right. now there's like there's no reason except maybe that the drive might be a pain in the butt but we're we're i'm i'm so excited that a the show is continuing because i wasn't ready to say goodbye to it yet and then b it's like now nobody has a reason not to come. You right. can come see it for free. It's like just come. Absolutely. So we we uh, we have uh, every faith that we will see the rest of you that have not had a chance to make it out now, um, and we're looking forward to seeing you at, at the show. So there's our, our excuses. We didn't even go into all of them, but uh, I mean, hopefully people will forgive us, please, for uh, <laughs> not being not being uh, uh, not hitting record for the past three weeks or four weeks or so. But um, aside from all that, dude, I know you've got uh, you've got some news. Um, some big things have been happening for you. Um, these past yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, people who've been listening to the podcast know about the continuing saga of like my. Uh, agency non-agency hip pocketing situation um i am I'm, I'm not supposed to talk about it too much on the on the podcast not only because i've gotten that advice from some people but also because my manager has said like it's probably not the best idea but i also it's hard for me because i want to share my experiences so that other so that our listeners can sort of learn from them this has been such a a, a frustrating interesting strange back and forth thing and I don't know how to talk about it without actually 
I, I it's hard. I can't talk around it. I have to just talk, you know, right on point, or it's you know nothing is gonna get is gonna come across. Basically, four people from the agency came to see the show, um, including the big man on campus, the person who's the decision makers, the de- the decision maker, and and um, they're not gonna sign me, at least not right now. And and I get it. Like it. It makes sense to me when I think about it from their point of view. Like basically, they came out to see a play, which a lot of agents, even if they say they are into theater in this town, really aren't because it doesn't make as much money as film and television. Um, you know, they drove from Hollywood to the West Side um, to see this show, uh, even though all of them left at intermission. Um, I, I, I hey, they they left at intermission. I don't. I didn't remember you saying that before. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they all did. I, like I said, I guess it, it, it makes sense to me. Um, I feel grateful that even that occurred. Like the fact that all of that even happened, I, I'm actually grateful um, because that was not an easy feat. Like getting that to happen was. Yeah, was, getting four people from that office to come out on the same night is is kind of a, an amazing feat. That was cool, but the decision makers or the people at the top still said that they were not going to sign me. But what they did say was that you know they don't actually that most of the coverage is taken care of by the rest of the agents in the agency, and that they only cover like the big like feature films and series regulars and you know things like that they they still believe in me and they still or that you know the agents in the office that are submitting me they they still want to see me succeed and they still want to get me signed and of course you know if i book something i'll get signed you know stupid fast because stupid fast because you know like you said before trev it's a proven commodity but man was that just frustrating to hear and i you know, I went for a really long walk after I sort of found out and kind of just thought about things and and had to, you know, have have one of those conversations with myself where I was like, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I still here in L.A. battling this out? Like, am, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Should I, you know, throw in the towel now and try something else? You know, all the things that I think a lot of actors kind of kind of go through because if you feel like you're ready and I know a lot of people who listen to our show feel like they're ready and I feel like I'm ready then to have then to have others think that you aren't is really frustrating but it also like to me I don't want to be like that actor that's just like whiny about it or complaining so instead what I typically try to do is like look at my career my acting my uh, resources, i.e. like my headshot, my reel and resume and stuff and, and see where I can sort of improve because if Mm -hmm. somebody doesn't think that I'm ready, then they're not going to be the only one. And I got to figure that out and I get that. And so that has sort of encouraged me to carry on, you know, in addition to the fact that I had myself a nice little chuckle when I found out that they were all complaining that the first act was two hours long. You, you were saying that because a, a it's it's not two hours long. It's that's that's an over exaggeration. It's 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 ninety minutes. And and b we were talking about this beforehand that that's the first time we've heard that from anybody. And I mean almost every conversation I have after the show, p 
people say something about the first act being long but not feeling long right. at all. They say it just flies by. Right. So for these for these TV and film agents to say the first act was long and then say it was longer than it actually was. Is, yeah, which leads me to a bit of a rant. And we <laughs> we don't usually have these on the podcast too much because Trevor and I tend to be pretty level-headed guys. But I kind of wish we, every once in a while, have a little rant action with maybe a little rant music or rant, I don't know, um, <laughs> uh, sound effects or something. It reminds me of like on Family Guy when Peter was like, you know what really grinds my gears? Um, so here's what grinds my gears a little bit. I have heard so much from people in the industry and people surrounding the industry and people who are friends and family of actors or people who are, who just look in on the sort of hourglass or, or or sorry, crystal ball that is Hollywood or, you know, maybe snow globe is the right term. Like they just look in on this industry and whenever they're speaking about actors, there always tends to be this thing about like how actors are overdramatic and whiny and this and that. And while I think that may be true of a lot of actors or some actors, it is certainly not true of all actors. And the thing that really upset me about this whole situation is that the people who are saying that about actors, I, I'm starting to believe that they are the ones who are really super dramatic so for instance take the casting director and by casting director i mean just like a general casting director i'm not talking about anybody anybody specific the casting director who is like complaining about the actors who complain to them about oh the session is running long and like i've been waiting here for like an hour and the casting director is like i know it's hard for me too i've got all these actors i have to see and blah 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 and and you know they're 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 upset because the actors are are, are um, you know being really like catty and and having an attitude and blah 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 and this and that. Well, here's here's my thing. Let me remind you which one of us is being paid to be there. One of us is being paid to be there. The other one is not. So I have to give my shift away at work, lose potentially hundreds of dollars, drive across town. Go and sit and then wait for up to an hour and a half to do a maybe less than 30 second spot. You don't get to complain. I'm not going to complain to you because that's just me as AJ the actor. Like I'm not going to be a pain. I'm not going to be one of those members of the Ain't It Awful Club. Like the people who are just bitching and moaning and and whining and making your life a living hell. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be chill. I'm going to be cool. But you don't get to complain either. Because one of us is getting paid to be there, and it's not me. I'm sick and tired of people saying that actors are the ones who are dramatic and whiny and blah, 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 when we're just human, everybody's human, and it seems like, I don't know, either it's, it, it's, it's all or nothing, because either everyone, either everyone in the industry is whiny and dramatic and blah, 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 or no one is. Because you cannot single actors out. I'm sorry. I've run into too many people who are casting directors and directors and managers and agents. And I'm not talking about the guests that we've had on the podcast, thank God. But I am talking about like people who are just as dramatic, if not more so, than, than 99% of the actors that I've met out there. And, and that, is, that is my rant. I think people in general are just kind of whiny. You know? <laughs> 
Well, you know, and I'm generalizing, of course, you know, not everybody. But, I mean, you know, I think that that's just, especially in an industry like this where where it is so job to job and um, there are some really dramatic people because because this form of expression just pulls, that draws people from all over the world to it like a magnet. So I think it's it's a little bit exaggerated in this industry. And All right, well, here's the deal. If you are listening to this podcast, you are not allowed to behave this way. <laughs> exactly what I want to say next is that, like, you have – I see it in my head as this weird, like, city. And there's, like, masses of people, like, in the streets, right, that are, like, clamoring over each other and complaining about how difficult it is or they're making excuses for themselves or they're they're quitting or they're not – like, they're just that's, – that's all those people. And then I feel like there's this, like, big, shiny skyscraper. Where like you know the James Camerons live and the Steven Spielbergs and the Edward Burnses and and all these guys live, and they're just kind of like looking down. They're like these people don't see what they're doing. Like they're just shooting themselves in the foot every time they make an excuse, every time they flake, every time they come up with some sort of bullshit to stop themselves. <laughs> to continue the analogy, Trevor, I'm gonna choose to walk on the sidewalk. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna choose to walk orderly on the sidewalk. And go knock on doors. Mm-hmm. And everyone else can be catfighting in the street. But I'm going to knock on doors. And eventually somebody on the first floor of that skyscraper where James Cameron lives or works will mm-hmm. open the door and maybe let me in and I'll, I'll be able to go to the first floor. And then maybe someday the second. And then maybe someday the fifth. And maybe someday the 20th. That's a, that's a very simplified analogy that I think we're kicking around here. But, I mean, hopefully people get the point. I mean... I think complaining is just the worst thing you can do. It's like you can complain about it or you can find a way to make it happen, to make it work. Right. And that's the thing that drives me crazy is that I think that a lot of actors do complain, but then what happens is like casting directors and managers and agents end up complaining about the complaining actors and then everybody's complaining. Right, right, exactly. It's like paying it forward. Are you paying something negative forward or something positive forward? Right, right. Yeah. The world is an echo chamber and... And you're responsible for sounds you make. have uh, a couple of emails we wanted to respond to today um, before we jump into our interview with Yuri. Um, and uh, the first one comes to uh, from a listener named Sharina. I hope we're saying that right. It's either Sharina or Charina. I'm going to say Sharina. Um, and uh, do you want to maybe... Charina uh, because C-H in Italian this one, AJ? is a K sound. Um... Yeah, uh, I mean, it was sort of a two-part question. She's moving out to L.A., or she has already moved out to L.A. Um, she's coming from um, Minneapolis, her hometown. Um, and 
you know, we've we've covered the moving out to LA thing a lot, so I think we want to focus more on the other parts of her question, specifically about this um, uh, sort of networking opportunity she has, where her uncle, who I think like paints houses for a living, um, was painting the house of a pretty reputable commercial and film director, and they were they got to talking and. Uh, this guy told the director about uh, his niece, and managed to set up a meeting with her, with this director, and she was expressing some trepidation in her email about whether or not she should take that meeting because she felt like maybe she wasn't ready for you know that because she doesn't have a lot of experience. And I think both mm-hmm. Trevor and I, Trevor, you responded in text form, and now we're talking about it on the podcast. But I think both of us agree that. There's no such thing as like having enough experience to take a meeting with someone or mm-hmm. or or at least she shouldn't she shouldn't really feel that way. Um the example that I thought I'd throw out there is when I did um uh my episode of Hannah Montana, I was already planning on sending uh Howard Meltzer a a, a card saying I would love to just come in and pick your brain um at some point. You know, and just sit down with you and just chat about the industry or whatever, you know, whatever you fancy. And um, what was crazy is I was able to give him that card in my audition. I got a callback, went to the callback, got, and I bo- ended up booking the role. So what happened was on this, either the day of the rehearsal or the day of the shoot, he came down to the um, studio and ended up being like, hey, you know, my, my office is upstairs if you want to just come up when you're done down here. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And I went up and I just sat down with him and we had a, a chat about, you know, my career, the business. And the thing is about those types of meetings is you learn so much because I felt like I didn't know anything, you know. And so I was just I, – I literally flat out asked him. I was like, am I doing the right things? And he was like, yeah, you're doing the right things. Like, uh, here's some suggestions for you. I would do X, Y, and Z. Here's the things you're doing right, blah, blah, blah. But just keep on keeping on, and I think you're really going to, you know, succeed. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like that is – she could – you can be completely transparent in a meeting like this. Go in with that director and just say, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know anything. So help me. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, there's no, exactly. There's no – there's yeah. no – that's not – there's nothing wrong about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, did you want to add it? Because I, mean, I know you responded at length in your in your email. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I, I understand why she feels that way. I, it can be intimidating and she doesn't want to look green. You know, she doesn't want to look like she's just another pretty actress off the bus trying to sure, make it in the sure, film sure. industry, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I, I get that. I understand the intimidation. Um, but at the same time, it's like we were all infants who didn't know how to walk at one point. You know, we all learned how to walk and we had help from people and every every everybody has gotten help from somebody to get where they are in this industry today. Nobody has made it completely 100 percent purely on their own. Hmm. Everybody's had a helping hand, um, probably from several people. And chances are, I, you know, I found this to be true across the industry and across really any profession, is that the people at the top who are really working their game and who are really successful are almost always the nicest, most generous people you can meet. And they want to help because Mm -hmm. they were in your position maybe even just five years ago and somebody gave them a helping hand and helped kind of get them where they are. They, and they want to kind of pay it back 
And so, um, worst case scenario, this guy's a total jerk, and he tells her to go home. Is is she going to go home? I mean, I would think probably not. You know, she's out here, you know, for the long haul. She came out here because she believed she could be successful here. And I've had I've had meetings like that. I had meetings where somebody was like, you know, you're totally green. You you shouldn't be out here right now. Go home. And I was like, okay, cool. Thanks for your opinion. Next person. Um, so that might happen, but chances are she's going to meet somebody who's going to say, he's going to look at her situation and say, this is what needs to happen next. These are the things that you can do. These are people you can talk to. These are things that you can be looking into. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm here if you want to be in touch with me for more guidance down the road. I mean, so I understand why she might want to make a better first impression, but I say go for it. You know, chances are this person's going to be willing to help you out. The, we just gave the worst case and best case scenarios and you know, anything in between, no matter what, it's not going to kill you. <laughs> what doesn't kill us make us makes us stronger. Um, and I think that um, I think that you have the potential of making like a really great contact that you can continue to call upon for uh, advice. You know, uh, yeah. even past the meeting. And, and he's going to get a kick out of watching. I'm, I'm speaking directly to Sharina now. I think he's going to get a kick out of watching your career grow if you do stay in touch with him. Sure. So, good um, point. Good point. It, it almost might be better that you come to him kind of, you know, I, I'm using air quotes here, empty-handed, because you you mentioned in your email, Sharina, that you're not empty-handed. You've got some credits. You've got some training. But it's nothing like to, to show that you've been established in LA for a while. But, I mean, for myself, if somebody came to me and said, hey, do you have any – I would be like – Totally willing to help them out. I would love seeing their career grow throughout the years if I were, you know, in this director's position, um, or if I was just me. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I would say go for it, and I, I would love to hear what happens. So, um, hope that helps, Serena. Please keep us uh, posted. And uh, we have a second email from Gerald, um, who wrote in, and uh, he said, first off, he hasn't missed an episode, which is awesome. 59 episodes dude that is that is a lot of your life that, that got spent <laughs> listening to us talk <laughs> thanks for listening dude that's 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 really really awesome actually it was really just kind of one kind of general question he basically says he's he's been doing a lot of writing and uh he's been writing in microsoft word and he wants to know if we recommend any sort of script writing programs um that people can use to to write their scripts uh and then he says also is there a kind of industry norm for a, a certain program and I wrote back with a couple suggestions, but uh, what are your thoughts right off the bat, AJ? I mean, I, I, everything that you that you responded was um, was totally dead on. I would say, uh, sp- specifically addressing the industry norm thing, I think that's more about just learning how to write a screenplay and making sure that the formatting is correct. Because yeah. if you know what the formatting is, you can do it in nearly any uh, software. Um, yeah, exactly. And and so once you know that, then it's just a matter of like finding one that makes it easier to put it into that um, that format. And uh, the suggestions that you uh, wrote were were great for that. Yeah, I I feel like every single piece of screenwriting software you pick up on the box, it's gonna say that that is the industry norm or the industry standard. I think I've read that on every single one. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, I think it's really yeah, I think it's if your script's formatted properly and you send it out or you give it to somebody as a PDF or as a printed out, you know, hard copy, no one's going to say like, "Wait a second, what did you use to write this?" You know, I mean, it's if it's formatted properly, it's it's going to fly just fine. Um that said, I think the kind of most 
frequently used programs uh, are Final Draft and Movie Magic Screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, they both are around 170 bucks or so, um, which is a little steep for most actors. Um, so I recommend Celtics, which is a free shareware program. And um, you can get it online at Celtics.com. We'll have a link on our website for that. And uh, it's pretty great. It's it's anybody can download it. It's free across, or it's uh, I should say it spans all the different platforms, so Mac, Windows, and Linux. And um, it does all the formatting for you, and it's got some kind of cool features that I think uh, a lot of people dig, myself included. I think what's more important is making sure that you're writing a structured story. And I've been um, I'm not sure if I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I've been digging into uh, Writer's Dream Kit which is like the light version of Dramatica, mm-hmm. which is uh, this really robust story engine, like story creation engine software that's that's based on this kind of crazy literary algorithm that's basically called from like 70 different Oscar-winning screenplays. And Tom, our, our friend Tom, who's also the co-director of Gospel According to the First Squad and the artistic director of the ensemble, has used this software to put together all the different war cycle plays. He's kind of fed the the uh, the content through the, the the machine of Dramatica slash Writer's Dream Kit. The software doesn't write the story for you, but it helps you kind of create a very well-rounded and balanced story, complete with A, B, and C plots with character archetypes that people are going to be, ident- be able to identify with. It, it's really pretty incredible software, and Writer's Dream Kit's only 35 bucks, and that's the light version of Dramatica. And I, I would say... Um, I mean, if you just want to get started, I would say pick up that software and download a free version of Celtics, and that's pretty much all you need. I should I should add one more thing. I would um, hop online and do a search for. Uh, um, there's a couple different screenplay sites out there that that have uh, um, PDF copies of of movies like Avatar and um, Juno and you know any kind of screenplay, and you can download those and read them to get an idea for how different screenplays are formatted and and how different writers kind of flesh out their story on the page so those three things i think will, will get anybody started yeah reading pd reading screenplays that already exist is 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 always i mean that's probably one of the best things that you can do to learn uh formatting structure you know so on and so forth it's um yeah it's probably one of the best things that you could you could do for um uh just for honing your screenwriting craft i guess yeah 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 just just the same way that you know like a lot of times i'll watch movies strictly to look at the storytelling and the acting yeah because i you know you learn that you're studying you know it's the same idea so uh there's a lot i mean that's a big question you know i mean i know there are a lot of books out there that can be recommended i mean his the core of his question was just what software should i use to format my screenplay like and we're kind of expanding on that but um anybody else has any recommendations or suggestions to kick in, uh, let us know. We'll make sure to mention them on an upcoming episode. Yeah, what are some of your favorite books? I know Save the Cat is really uh, popular. Um, yeah, Save the Cat. Save the Cat's a really good one. It's it's very nuts and... Well, not nuts and bolts. It's very easy to kind of latch on to because the yeah. concepts are just so clear, clearly explained. Um, and he had, there's a bunch of Save the Cat books. There's the first one, which kind of lays out the, the concepts, and then there's subsequent books that... Uh, illustrate those concepts by breaking down like you know 30 or 40 different screenplays uh, in each book so that's really good and i also like the screenwriter's bible by uh, david trottier i think that's how you say his name Mm. Um, and that's a big thick textbook of a book 
but uh, and it's it's kind of a stale read at parts, but um, that's pretty much. I mean, it's called the screenwriter's bible. It's pretty much everything you're ever gonna need, um, from like formatting words on the page to three act structure, all the way through to like marketing your script and and sample uh, cover letters and things like that. I mean, it's really pretty awesome. Yeah, there's also. Um... I don't know if this is really like a screenwriter's book, but it's 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 pretty popular. It's called "Which Lie Did I Tell" by uh, William Goldman, who wrote like *Princess Bride*. Yeah, um, I've heard about that book. You know, it's just he t- basically just him talking about his adventures in movie making, but like because he's such an amazing storyteller, it also you know gives you some great insight into storytelling and and. Um, you know, he talks about like screenplays he admires in that book and stuff like that. So it might be a, a, a something for inspiration, maybe. Right on. We'll have to put links to all those on the website. Yes, definitely. So check them all out at InsideActingPodcast.com. And I think that about wraps it up before we jump into this interview, right? Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. So uh, guys, enjoy part two of our two-part interview with uh, Web Frontiersman Yuri Barnovsky. We'll see you on the other side. So you started with writing, and now you've ended up doing all these different things. Was yeah. that was this a path you saw yourself taking? No, I, I mean, no, not at all. I mean, I, I really enjoyed directing. I did a lot of directing in, in, in college, and when I put together my plays, I really enjoyed the kind of production of it. So it never really com- computed to me like, oh yeah, I'll be a director and a producer. That never really occurred to me. I, I was like, I'm going to be a writer, and and the more I started directing, the better I got. The more I, I liked it, and. Producing, I really enjoy because I like having my hand in everything. I really enjoy that, like seeing the project completely lay out from beginning to end. So, no, I didn't. I never thought that us doing a five-minute pilot for a contest would turn into a production company that did like a new genre of you know wow. media. It's like it, it was a completely weird path. Wow. But uh, I mean, it was a lot of luck. You know, it was a lot of just being there at the right time. Break a leg was just lucky because it was. I mean, we happened to make it at a time when no one was making stuff. Now it's way harder because there's like a thousand web shows. So, yeah, it's you know. really tough to separate the, the good stuff from the bad yeah, stuff. Yeah, now. yeah. Yeah, then it was like us and then The Berg and then Lonely Girl a little later. Right. And then The right. Guild came out and got really big. And so you think, do you feel like Tommy, timing had a, had a mm-hmm. big role in that? Huge, yeah, huge. And I think, I mean, you know, we, we tried to make a really good show. We never... We never were like, well, this is a web show. No one cares. We'll just, you know, cut a few corners. We really tried to make. We wanted a network to look at it and go, oh, these guys can make a TV show. I don't think we necessarily achieved that with Break a Leg, but I think we're achieving it with with Leap Year. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah, Leap Year yeah. looks fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's you know that's the goal. Love Makers, the the show we're we're trying to sell now. The I think the people keep saying the trailer looks like it's right off of Showtime or something. It does. It looks fantastic. I I have trouble believing that that hasn't gotten picked up yet. Well, we're working with a company called Mindshare, which is a really big ad agency, media agency, and they're trying to sell it to brands that they represent. And uh, I have David Lang is the main guy there, and he's done a lot of really great stuff online, really like big stuff. He did a thing with Whoopi Goldberg and a lot of like branded things that he's made kind of huge. His whole thing is and I love this, is to not 
I don't think it's all about views necessarily. It's about getting into kind of like the public stream. You know, like SNL made fun of his uh, Whoopi Goldberg web thing, and that's huge. I mean, that means you're part of the public eye, and mm-hmm. and there's so few web shows that are like that. You know, there's it's so hard. I mean, there's almost no web shows. I can't really, you know, maybe Felicia's Felicia Days of the Guild is really the only one that yeah. you know yeah. a majority of people know, yeah. and. Yeah, and so and then, but that you know. So, anyways, we're working with them, and and I think I'm very hopeful. I think that they'll get it done, and so I'm I'm hoping you know in the next month or two we'll have some good news. That's so, great. I yeah. love the kind of hybrid approach that you have. You do a lot of narrative scripted stuff, yeah. and you're also doing this other stuff to kind of pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. Time. Whoever, I mean, you know, we when we started the production company, we we kind of said, okay, we really want to do the scripted stuff. I think you know, in the end, our strength lies in in good scripts and and good shows, but um. I think our, our crew is amazing and I think we could do really great stuff and we wanted to position ourselves as kind of like the production company of the web, like do branded stuff, do reality shows, do whatever. And we've done such a large variety of work now, I think that we could tell people, yeah, we could do pretty much anything that you'd like us to. That's great. Yeah. Your scripted stuff has, has a really strong story. Which I found is actually a rarity when it comes to a lot of the web entertainment. Um, can you talk a little bit about what your process is for, for yeah. taking an idea and fleshing it out into a 10-episode sure. year type thing? Yeah, yeah. So my brother and I tend to uh, – so I, I used to be a script reader and editor for a few years. Uh, and and so I got the structure thing drilled into my brain You know, when I drilled it into other people's brains. So the way we actually break out break down a season is how you'd break down a script. We usually have a se- uh, act one of a season and act two of a season. So we, we'll say like episode one to three is act one, episode four to six is act two. And uh, so that helps kind of an arc. And, uh, you know, there's these simple things like the characters have to change from the, from the beginning to the end. How do they do that? Where, do we, where are they now and where do they end up? So we write those little things. There's usually a central question to the season as well as to every episode. So the central question is, you know, the main theme. Uh, and usually it's a yes or no question. Like for, for Break a Leg, it was, will David Penn, my character, survive? It, that was the question posed in the very first scene. That was what we wanted to solve at the end. We didn't actually solve it because we were just done. But uh, <laughs> if, we, if we come back, I think that's it a series. It to exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a series question. If anyone ever calls us and says, do you guys want to do Break a Leg again? We would love it. And um, we'd get back to that. But... The thing is, if we solved that question, the show would have pretty much been done. So we didn't. We wanted to leave it open ended. So we were like, okay, we're done shooting, but we'll keep it open. So yeah, we we break it down like that, and then and then we go about writing all the scripts. We usually take like you know, you take five episodes, I take five episodes, and we send them back and forth, edit them, and um, yeah, I mean, I tr- I really try to stuff structure into every episode too there's every you know we try to make three acts the thing with web shows is because it's seven minutes or five minutes people kind of go it's like usually like two scenes and it always ends kind of like 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 it just it feels like a scene change or something it doesn't feel like it should you know and yeah and and it's i i agree it's super hard which is another reason why i think longer content makes more sense it's just better for the story but with leap year we tried to use uh we used them we used flashbacks and things to make it to kind of to to hurry things up and to skip over information uh to get uh, an arc and and we we i mean we have a lot of location changes in every episode and stuff it's never just like they're at a bar for the entire seven minutes yeah yeah you know so we and we try to keep the scenes short like 30 seconds minute scenes which is how i mean in a film script 
scenes should be like three to five pages, you mm-hmm. know, in a seven minute web show, they should be shorter. So that, that's another mistake. I think a lot of web show people make is uh, a lot of writers make is that it's like their scenes are so long and, and people are so in love with their, you know, dialogue or their improv or their, you know, and then it's just like, just cut, please just cut yeah. and move on. You know, you gotta really economize it just so yeah. each line means. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, forward. that should be in, in, in anything you write really. I mean, that's kind of the lesson in screenwriting. So I, I like the idea of taking the, the, the sort of, commonly used structure of film or playwriting or whatever and then and like you you said Treb economizing that though down into the into whatever length show it is that you're producing. Yeah, I mean I think the that's structure really smart, basically. Yeah. I mean I think that structure is an innate way of us telling stories and I think people just hammered it out and and you know put labels on it, but I think that's how people tell stories in general. And I think people have always told stories like that. And and so it makes sense to just to apply that structure to pretty much any story. Yeah. So it's really it's all about structure, really. I mean, yeah. That's that's what the key so. is. You got to yeah. look at like the act, three act structure. I don't know if you maybe follow Blake Snyder's fifteen beat. No. Thing I, I, all, I, I, the book that I read, I read was uh, How to Make Your Good Script Great by like Laura Seeger, I think. Yeah. That was a Linda, book. Uh, Linda, Linda maybe Linda. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Linda. Maybe I. I don't know. Yeah. It's okay. one of it's one of the books that people read and and. I kind of got. I mean, I got that structure from her. I read a few other books, and I'm like, okay, they're all just saying the same thing yeah, and different, yeah. you know. And so I was like, okay, I got this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not. It's not too crazy hard. And and I'm not saying, you know, you must have this perfect structure. And but I think people who rail against it, it, it never made any sense to me because again, it's the way storytelling is. And you know, Picasso was a great artist before he became crazy Picasso. You know, there's no reason to completely throw out structure when you're not. A high-end writer and are able to do yeah. that you know well, you it's a pr- to, it's proven it's proven you know? yeah, yeah yeah i mean even charlie kaufman who wrote you know adaptation and all those crazy movies which are like just completely probably the craziest films you know made uh, with high-end budgets and things i mean he has a three-act structure they're just it's harder to find because it's crazy but it's there yeah so yeah, yeah. i took a a class in college uh, on foreign cinema and just mm-hmm. storytelling and it was so neat to see how the different cultures respond differently because there, at that point in my life i didn't appreciate it right. i was just bored to tears yeah. watching these foreign <laughs> films because they didn't follow the conventional right. storytelling tactics That's that i was that i was used to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um I, I realized that like wow for somebody who, who maybe didn't take a class like that yeah we're so conditioned to respond to a story in these very specific ways yeah, yeah. and if it doesn't hit those things right then we're kind of like this isn't working i don't know why but i yeah, want to get yeah, up you, and do something else you totally you get that feeling yeah. of like i don't know why i don't like this i should like it but there's something weird yeah. to me in it yeah, yeah yeah and that's what we don't like european movies a lot of people here because it's like they're a little they're a little different they're a little slower yeah, and, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't fit into our our yeah our square shaped hole or right. whatever you want to call it right yeah. I, I, although i do like the uh, charlie kaufman call out because you can still you can you can sort of stick to that structure or you know without making it so formulaic if that makes yeah. sense i mean it's kind of a contradiction but no, it but sort of like puts all these other layers on it or yeah or, it shouldn't prevent you from writing a really unique thing right. just there's just you know and I, again it's like you know the the books get really specific. Like on page twenty five, you will have this happen right. to your character. Yeah, yeah. You know that I think is a little silly. I think the the point is acts are you know important. There be changes. There's rhythm changes, and and you just kind of have to feel those. And you know, I mean, for me when I started writing, I didn't know all those things. I just kind of I think because I read a lot of plays, I kind of maybe in my brain I got it. Because when I would try to apply that structure to my old work, I'm like, yeah, I generally follow it. And I think instinctually, I think we do as just again as storytellers. It's kind of the thing that makes sense to us. So. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Now, I, I have a, a 
possibly new agey question for you because I mean, <laughs> forgive me for for saying this, but you seem like a very uh, the kind of person that's just like, yeah, just just do it. You know, like <laughs> yeah. there there are some people, and this is particularly common among artists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to get spiritual and talk about it and yes. set up a ritual and, and, yeah. and, you know, summon your muse and, and <laughs> right, in, right. incantations and stuff like that right. around this creative process. Right. And to me, from what you said today, it seems like you're just like, yeah, I just kind of sat down and wrote and I went to this <laughs> writing trance or whatever and right, I just right. hammered it out. Yeah. But it sounds like something that you just did. You didn't really think about it, it seems like. Yeah, you just yeah. Kind of were like, I'm a writer, I write. Yeah. You know, I have a, I mean, in general, we're going to get deep. Um, I, I, you know, like I write comedy mostly. And so in, in my life, I think I never, I'm a fairly logical person. So it was always hard for me to get like, really like, oh yeah, I really feel this. And you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to, to get new agey. So I, I, I love art. I'm an artist. Everything I do is art related. And, um, but I never took it as I live in San Francisco. I lived in San Francisco for so long and in San Francisco art is, a little bit weird because you go to a play and it's just awful and it's like, well, because it's my expression, man. And it's like, yeah, but it's a, it's an art that you're, it's a public art. You're, you're supposed to entertain people. This is terrible. Like you just, it's an excuse <laughs> to just do not, you know, yeah. and you know, people will just make this crazy jewelry that just doesn't, it's just awful. And you're, you're like, ah, oh, it's my expression. And I mean, sure. You know what? If that's your like therapy and you do it, that's great. But if you want to succeed in it, that doesn't, that kind of thing doesn't really work. And, um, and I think, you know, I always ask this question to people because it's always really interesting to me. I say, you know, if there were no obstacles, what would you do? What, what would your, you know, and they they'd always they always have these things that never really seem that unreasonable. They're just kind of like, yeah, but, you know, it's not a lot of money and I have to. And uh, especially like young people who don't really have like, you don't have a family. You don't have, why are you, why do you put all these restrictions on? So I, I try not to live that way of going like, yeah, I mean, I really want to do this, but, you know, I can't because... So I, I tried to eliminate that early on, and and so I just did things. Yeah, I mean, I just tried my hardest to 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 get to. I mean, I did the shotgun approach too. You know, I was I was trying to I was sending out plays while doing the break a leg while doing this that and this and hoping something would stick. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the just do it and do it and get better and have like really be aware of what you're making and try to get better and you know grow and. It's a, it's, a, it's a skill. I mean, it's like it's like a sport. I mean, athletes aren't like I'm going to be a hockey player. I'm going to go join the NHL now. You know, like they they're gonna they get they work their whole lives to get that good. Yeah, you know, there's a reason yeah. it should be applied to everything. There's there's a, a website that I came across recently called Steal My Script, uh-huh. and it's this guy who who's a screenwriter and he's right. he wants to get more work, and yeah. so he's writing a short script every week and putting it on the internet and basically saying to the internet. Take my script, rewrite it, mash it up, make huh. it, don't make like whatever you want. That's just clever. like I, I, my mission is to do a thing a week right. to kind of get better and that's, just put it out there. That's awesome. And it seems like that might be kind of a cool thing. That's it's, a really cool thing, yeah. actually. That's a really good idea. And then he'd get he'll get to see his stuff made. I'm sure by someone. Yeah, yeah. Some, then, I'm sure somebody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Well, we're we're kind of getting to the end here, so we have sure. a couple questions that we like to ask yeah, every every guest. Two okay. questions. Um, and the first one is uh again somewhat new agey but um we we like to know we're curious do you feel like this career path this industry rather no this career path i think is better um chose you or do you feel like you chose it uh i think it chose me for sure i had it's it's a really weird i was gonna go to the academy of art uh to be a computer animator and then i bumped into a friend of mine from high school who was like 
hey, you should go to a College of Marin, which is the college I ended up going to. It's a community college. It's really cheap. You know, art school is like really – it's like 30000 a year. Go to community college, finish two years, and then transfer to do your art thing. I was like, okay. Uh, I went there. I loved the campus. So he changed my direction right there. Then, you know, there was a random week where my friend was like, hey, let's watch Monty Python. And then he was like, hey, let's, you know, why? and this is Dashiell, who, again, now is one of the founders of the company. You know, and he was, he was, so we watched, we wrote a bunch of sketches just totally for fun. And then my first class in college happens to be, the guy goes, okay, so we need scripts to do. Does anyone have any scripts? And no one has any scripts. And I'm like, I mean, I have these sketches, you know, and I'm just, there were all these like events that just kind of happened. And, you know, then I, I see Romeo and Juliet in my school and this idea pops into my head. And then that play, I mean, really was what made me into a writer because it was what people, people were like, when they watched it, they were they were just so shocked by it. They were just like, this is really, really good. And I was like, really? This is, I just wrote it. I mean, it was just, it was a completely silly thing. I just wanted to put up almost as a satire, you know, as like a little side show. Cause they did Romeo and Juliet as a main stage show. And I asked the actors who were my friends, if they would do my show, like you know, a few weeks after as a little satire and, and they did. And so I had like Romeo and Juliet in mind that that was in the, their main stage and all these people came and they loved it and we were sold out. And, um, so yes, and then and then the contest. My girlfriend at the time uh, was like, "You guys should take a break. Do this contest." Okay, so we did the contest, and then you know it turned into break a leg, and then it just all these. I wrote my blog, Blip TV contact, and me turned into Seven Eleven, turned into everything else. That's it's, cool. uh, it's it's so really weird. I, I definitely feel like I'm getting pushed to this, you know, the, this career. So I, I definitely know I I feel like I'm doing the right thing, you know. But at a certain point, you know, I what I. You know, earlier you said like, "Oh, it's been a lot of luck," and you know that that's true. Mm-hmm. And there has been these things that these kind of sort of signposts that have kind of, like you said, pushed you in, in a certain direction. But at the same time, like you've you've been working really hard and putting out good content. Yeah. And so if you're working really hard and putting out good content, then you get the things like Seven Eleven going, "Hey, can you guys do right. this?" You know. Yeah. So I mean, the way we got Seven Eleven was we we shot everyone else submitted like paperwork to them as pitches and they they basically sent us like what they wanted and we were supposed to pitch them and we went out and shot a promo video of the show that would have technically been created and they were like they told us later they were at a bar drinking they looked at the promo and they were like yep that's what we want and they hired us <laughs> they, didn't even, awesome. they never looked at our website they didn't look at anything we had done they're just like yeah that's exactly what we want so you yeah. basically wow. auditioned for them. Yeah, basically. yeah, exactly. The thing is, you know, I felt I definitely felt the fate, the pushing, the all that and I felt like I had to take advantage of it. I didn't think that, oh, well, it'll just happen. I just felt like, okay, this is the direction I'm obviously being pushed into. Then I'll throw all my work into this direction. Mm-hmm. So, That's great. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Uh, and then the other question that we ask all of our guests is, um, if you could, ever, with everything that you've learned, um, you know, self-producing, writing, acting, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, with everything that you've learned uh, in, doing this, in doing this business, in this industry, in your art, um, if you could boil it all down to like one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm. Okay. Let me think about that. I think, I think it's that it's what I said earlier. I think you have to ask yourself, like, what do you want to do if you have no obstacles? And then you get, get that answer and then you go, okay, well then how do I do this? And you lay it out as, as reasonably and logically as you would if you were doing it for your son or someone. You do it, you know, you do it without any like, and I'm an amazing artist, so I'm gonna like you you'd go, okay, I have to obviously get better at this, I have to do this. Here are the seventeen different things I need to do to get to this path. And then you do them as hard as you can and you survive survive the best you can and and, and I think eventually it'll happen. 
That's awesome. No, just a quick follow-up question yeah. on that. What do you do personally um, yeah. when you come across those times where you're not feeling inspired or motivated and you're just like, man, I, this is just yeah. too much work right and now. And that definitely happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, sometimes I just stop for a little, you know, like for a few days, it's just like, I, I'll just not do this for a little while. Um, for me as a writer, I'll, I'll watch something that really inspires me. I love the West, Aaron Sorkin stuff in general. I'll watch it. That kind of triggers my brain. Any movie that I really like, I can't really think of any right now, but I just I just kind of try to get away from doing, but kind of watch what other people are doing and watch movies, watch TV, just kind of relax. I think sometimes we just get burned out, and it's such a hard thing to do, and we're constantly working. And sometimes, like, I feel like sometimes I work all week, but I'm not getting paid for that work. I'm just, you know, pitching and emailing, and, and then I'm like, I, I feel so busy without actually having a, a job, you know, that, mm-hmm. this week. And it's it's exhausting sometimes, and and I think just sometimes we just need to take a break and then get back at it. That's cool. So you're yeah. really... You, you- it sounds like you spend some time to stock the well, as it were. Yeah, to kind of sure. like re-inspire yourself. Yeah, yeah. Go, go travel. Go, yeah. whatever. Go hang out with friends. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. a, good, a good note to end on. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, Yuri, thank you so much. If people want to find out more about you, um, I know you're on Twitter. You're probably on Facebook. Yeah, so they website. can follow me on Twitter. I tweet silly things. Uh, I've been trying to write in my blog more regularly. I'm terrible at it, but I'm trying. And. Uh, I, I I totally don't mind people emailing me or asking me questions. I, I really try to help as much as I can because cool. I, I appreciate everyone doing this. So great. Where yeah. just I, I don't want to put your email on the website because then spam bots might pick it right, up. Right, right. Uh, so. Yuri at hlgfilms.com. Okay, great, yeah. awesome, cool. Well, thanks so much for Thank sitting down with us. It was um, really fun. Yeah. Alright guys, welcome back. Hopefully you dug uh, part two of our two-part interview with Yuri Baranovsky. Um, man, so, like, I think, I think I have repeated this multiple times, but I seriously cannot get over how well he and Mark Gant and the rest of those uh, folks from, you know, Happy Little Guillotine and stuff have, have managed to monetize uh, the web and, uh, web content. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to feel that sort of like guilt that he talks about in the interview about like not wanting to call it web television or web series or whatever, because somehow it sort of cheapens it, which is totally true. Um, but, uh, you know, so many people like, like super powerful, the people, the executives that run the damn studios are all sitting around, you know, uh, all day, well, not all day, but I'm sure they're taking multiple meetings per day trying to figure out how to monetize the web. And these guys figured it out by just telling stories and having fun and putting together stuff that they wanted to do anyway. Um, and so that's just, anyway, it's not only is it inspirational, but it's, it's, it's just kind of makes me be like, yeah, stick it to the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, totally. And, and what's cool too is it, is it, they, they've, they've, mon- they've monetized it not necessarily directly through their web series, but by what their web series has demonstrated they can do um, as a production company. So I think that they've gotten attention for their web series in no small part because they've been able to kind of, um, make a name for themselves via the first web series, um, doing, you know, campaigns for 7-Eleven and uh, um, the other, I'm blanking right now, but the other people that they've done campaigns for. And then 
through you know then coming back to web series people are like wow these guys are are just some dudes doing some web stuff but it's really really good right so um it's kind of cool the 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 path they took but i i also think that they're they're right on the cusp of of uh of the of the tipping point so to speak of 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 web series and 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 web entertainment becoming a mainstream legitimate thing in people's eyes people right now still see it as like anybody can do it it's a kind of a waste of my time um some shows are good but most aren't i'm still gonna just sit down and watch my network tv shows but but i think that people are starting to see that wait a second some people are really doing this right yeah yuri and and that whole gang is definitely some of those people well i guess that's that's the thing is that there's no filter and i think yuri talks about this in his interview where he talks about like how the bad stuff kind of pisses him off a little bit because it cheapens the whole uh oh man dare i say industry of sort of web content you know like yeah we have these people because there's no there's no there's no gate you know, anybody can do it. Anybody can put content out there. So a lot of people do put out crap because it's easy to put out crap. So you put out crap and it makes, you know, so then somebody watches a website. It's like us trying to get people to come see our plays. You know, somebody goes to see a bad play. You invite them to your play. All of a sudden they have this bad taste in their mouth. You ask somebody to watch your web series. They just finished watching a bad web series. Now they have a bad taste in their mouth. Exactly, exactly. And but but and, and on the, the to play devil's advocate, I understand why people are jumping on this because there was a link that I tweet I put on our Twitter a little while ago, um, from uh Ryan Koo over at nofilmschool.com. He wrote this this post about I think it was titled An Open Letter to an Actor. And he basically said if I were an actor right now, I would be creating my own content and he talked about what that content had to have, but he put it in the context of Malcolm Gladwell's um uh, outliers kind of theory that like you know Bill Gates was only Bill Gates because he was born at a specific point in time and he took advantage of all the resources he had and it was only at that point in time that he could succeed if he'd been born five years earlier or five years later he may have missed that window you know what I mean and right. I, I thought that was really interesting to kind of put web series in that context and, and content creation in that context because I think there's going to come a point pretty soon where or if it's not already here, where creating your own content like that doesn't really have the punch that it had three years ago. Right. So I think that that Yuri and and Mark and all these people and um, uh, Taryn O'Neill and Bernie Sue, all these people were were interviewing for the podcast. I think they're they're hitting that sweet spot. Right. Right. And they're really doing it right. Yeah, I I think that's uh that's probably a good place to drop in the teaser for next week. I mean, we usually do it at the end, but you want to tell people what we've got coming up next. Yeah, yeah, we've got two great episodes, uh, to a two-part interview with Bernie Sue. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, you probably just figured it out from <laughs> what I just said. He, he's also a web frontiers person, <laughs> which is now just an inside <laughs> acting term. Um, <laughs> inside and, uh, acting exclusive dictionary term. I don't yeah, and, and what I love about his interview is that he talks specifically about scaling your content um, so that you're not just making something to be like, hey, look what I made. Check it out, friends and family. But like specifically making it with the end in mind and that end being monetizing it through studios, getting your show picked up or sold or or somehow financed in some way. So his at the whole conversation we had was directed towards that, and he really broke it down in a pretty cool way. So um, that those are going to be a great uh, couple episodes. 
Super stoked. We should probably do our pick of the week. <laughs> yes, we should. What do you got, dude? Um, okay, so my pick of the week is actually something that I've been very excited to have as my pick of the week ever since I found that it existed, but I've been holding off because they didn't have an L.A. contingent to this um, this service slash website slash whatever. But I just found out literally today that they have now moved into L.A. as well as some other markets. Um, it's this website called TaskRabbit. TaskRabbit, and I actually heard about it first. You know who told me about this first? I mean, he didn't tell me personally, but the person I first heard it from was actually Kevin Rose, and he was talking about it on one of his 80 billion shows that he does, and <laughs> what it is, it is, it, it's this website where you can sort of, I don't even know how to, how to describe it really, you can kind of crowdsource certain tasks that you need completed. So essentially what you can do is you can go on there and you can post a task and you can say, I need X thing done. Whether it's like, I need somebody to clean my room. I need somebody to organize my, my apartment. I need somebody to mow my lawn. I need somebody to bring, literally bring this letter from one side of the town to the other. I need somebody to go around and maybe actors want to drop headshots at various casting director offices, whatever it is. You um, you post a task, and then these task rabbits, the people who actually work for the site, go on and they bid on th- the various tasks. And you can basically go with whoever you want, but of course, most people are going to choose the lowest bidder. And then you you pay the website. The website pay these pay, pay these task rabbits, so every so everything's safe and secure, and 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 nobody's getting taken for their for their money or whatever, and then your thing gets done. And in addition to that, what I'm doing, what the way that I'm pursuing it, and I'll keep you updated on how this goes because I'm, I literally just did this today, you can apply as if it was a job to become a task rabbit. And that's why I've been waiting so long for this to come to Los Angeles because, you know, it was originally only in San Francisco. But now that it's in L.A., I actually applied today to be a TaskRabbit so that I can go onto the website, find tasks, bid on them, do them in my spare time, and make a little extra money on the side. That's really cool. So it's like Elance, but a more kind of generalized version. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, like I said, it's hard to describe. It's crowdsourcing certain tasks that you need done, basically. That is really cool. Now, what do they have anything in place to to keep people from being like, I need somebody to come over and clean my house naked? Like, is there some sort of filter in place yeah, for that kind of well, thing? Well, they have. They, their 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 staff is like super diligent uh, about not only vetting the people that become task rabbits, but also, you know, um, vetting the the tasks themselves. And you can really easily get kicked off of the website and banned and and all that stuff. Um, So yeah, they're they're number one. Like if you go to their homepage, which is just taskrabbit.com, um, and of course, we'll put a, a link to it on our on our website. Their like number one most important thing is that uh, is 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 the safety of their users and their employees. So awesome, dude! Well, I'm gonna have to check that out too. Sounds yeah, cool. you should. Everybody should check it out. Uh, TaskRabbit.com, and of course, we're really entering like the freelance era, aren't we? Well, the thing is, is like. I, as an actor, all of us, everybody listening to this, you know, you you sort of you you sort of have to live this lifestyle that doesn't require a nine to five Monday through Friday job 
and we've talked about this many, many times, including our Thrival Job episode, you have to live this sort of flexible, malleable lifestyle, um, or you can't support the acting habit, as it were. <laughs> cool, man. Well, TaskRabbit.com. Uh, uh, sounds pretty, that's pretty nifty. What's your pick of the week, my friend? Uh, I will make this quick, but I've been doing this for about a month now, and I'm loving it. It's a, it's a, another um, recommendation from from Chris Gullibo. We've talked about him on the past uh, on the podcast. He wrote a book called The Art of Nonconformity. He has a blog called The Art of Nonconformity, and he's got a lot of really great information products out there that you can buy. Um, he's a big kind of web celebrity, but for good reason. He's like a Tim Ferriss, but but not quite as uh, I guess not quite as well known. Maybe not quite as that same level of celebrity, but anyway, um, one of his uh, offerings is this thing called um, the Travel Hacking Cartel. It's a monthly membership, and you can choose what level of membership you want. Uh, I think fifteen, twenty-five, and fifty dollars are the different increments, and you get you know you get a different level of access with each each payment. And I joined for fifteen bucks, and essentially what the website does is keep you in the know about how to take advantage of frequent flyer mileage programs, um, hotel rewards programs rental car rewards programs, things like that, and how to maximize the different kind of loopholes and offers from everything from credit cards to just bonus uh, contests that they have to earn yourself uh, free flights and free hotel stays and free car rentals. And the guarantee of the site is that if you put in like an hour or so every month just doing the things they send you, and they send you an email every, I don't know, maybe once or twice a week on different deals, if you put in an hour each month on that, they guarantee that you'll get one domestic round-trip flight every three months, um, which seems like a really tall order for me, but I was like, I trust Chris. I'm going to pop down my money and see how, see how this is. So far, I like it a lot. So uh, if anybody's interested, feel free to get in touch with me to ask me more about it if, if you're interested. And if you want to sign up for it and check it out, you can do a 14-day trial for $1. And if you sign up via a link that uh, is linked to my account. It's like an affiliate thing. So if, if you sign up via a link that I send you, uh, and this is the link I'll put on the website, so full disclaimer here, um, and you stay with the program, I will get a mileage bonus, and the same for you, for anybody you sign up. Um, so um, if you'd like to uh, check it out, sign up via the link that I put on the website or contact me and I'll hook you up. Uh, and if you don't want to kick me any miles, then that's fine too. Just go to travelhacking.org and, uh, and sign up on your own. But um, it's pretty cool, um, and I like it so far. I, I've definitely accrued a couple thousand miles so far just doing little things like linking my Twitter account to my Hawaiian Airlines frequent flyer thing. I got a thousand miles for that. So um, wow, I, I really, I'm really digging the little kind of nuggets that they find, and and definitely the education I'm getting on how to kind of work the system. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to flying back to Philly for free this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The goal. That's that's so Chris Golubo too. Like I feel like that's his thing. You know what I mean? Like he, he, yeah, he's, yeah. He's he's such a life hacker, like you said, like like Tim Ferriss, and and um, he's very much about like just traveling the world over and and kind of uh, doing it on no little to no money. Yeah, that's kind of I think what kind of put him on the map was the travel hacking stuff, and then he's branched out from there with all these other different offerings. Put him on the map. I see what you did there. Oh, I, I didn't see even, what you did didn't even there. notice I did that. How about that? <laughs> I'm 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 subconsciously brilliant. You are uh, <laughs> consciously brilliant, my friend. So I guess that uh, I guess that about wraps it up for this episode, right? 
Indeed it does. 60 episodes of Inside Acting. Wow. Yeah, Oof. nice little uh, nice little pat on the back there for that one. Uh, yep. thanks, for, uh, thanks for sticking with us during that brief hiatus. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us to tell us what we're doing wrong, uh, you can uh, visit our website at InsideActingPodcast.com uh, or send us an email at InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com. You can, you can also call us. You can also call us. Sorry, yes. I'm jump in here with this. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at uh, 2132-ACTOR. That's 213-222-8677. And uh, we'll play your voicemail on the episode and respond to it. Yeah, I haven't gotten a voicemail in a, in a, in a bit. Um, you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash insideacting or at our individual accounts. At, I'm at twitter.com slash digitalactor. I'm twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. What else? What are we missing? Oh, Facebook, facebook.com slash insideacting. We're so yep. close to hitting uh, 900 uh, likes on Facebook. Uh, go over to our Facebook account and help us out with that. Yeah, um, yeah, we're on uh, we're on actor rated as uh, as we heard at the top of the episode. They are a uh, sponsor of ours. We're happy to be partnering with them, and uh, you can definitely check out their site and our podcast on their site. And if you'd like, you can even uh, leave us a review on there. And then, uh, last but not least, you can support the podcast with your hard earned dollars. Um, there's a couple of different ways that uh, that you can help us out there. You can donate to the podcast on a smaller. Uh, monthly recurring basis, so three, five, ten, or twenty dollars um, will be um, donated to the podcast every month if you'd like, or you can just hop on there and give us one lump sum donation. Um, and any amount is is great, and every penny counts. So um, help us keep this thing going by helping us pay for some of our production costs and upgrades that we have uh, in the works by donating to the podcast. And if you're an actor, and we kind of are assuming that you are some sort of actor or creative person, um, remember that you can write off your donation to the podcast as an education expense. Um, so make sure you hang on to the receipt that you get when you do donate. And I think that does it. That's right, sir. Episode 60. Wow. All right, dude. For uh, for episode 60, then, everybody, I'm Trevor Elgott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, take a stroll on the sidewalk. <laughs>